Well, thank you for being here tonight and uh, for circling up so that together, as followers of Christ, we can open God's Word and study uh, something. My goal tonight is to hand you something that will be helpful for your week, something encouraging. Uh, We uh, have all, for the last year and a half or more, faced uh, day after day of a lot of unknowns, as Ken says earlier. That's not something to fear or dismiss, but uh, Laura, my wife, and I were talking this afternoon, and she reminded me that, you know, life is not what happens after the pandemic's over. It's what's happening right now, and it just so happens that the pandemic is what we're having to deal with and work with, you know, right now, but it's not like after this, life will happen. If you live life that way, life will never occur, (laughs) you know, if you're always waiting for life to start. So I wanted to pass on something tonight which will introduce you to this idea or the concept of life as we see it in Scripture, and to open your eyes, to put those, those, those life spectacles, if you will, on, so that you're able to see this is the part of real life that you uh, get a chance to participate in even now. Now, there's another reason I picked this topic for tonight, and that is starting, not next week, because our Bible study, I think, will start the week after that, but our next series is on the book of John. And as a preparation for our study in the book of John, I thought it would be good to introduce you to one of the primary themes in the book of John, which is this idea of life. Between now and two weeks from now, uh, I highly encourage you to pick up the book of John and read it as it was meant to be read, uh, starting there at chapter 1, go all the way to the end of the book, and read it as, as it was meant to be read, the way John wrote that in the first place. He, in that book, John, one of uh, Jesus' disciples, is going to introduce you to Jesus. And one of the things that he emphasizes over and over again is that the reason he wants to introduce you to Jesus is because by following Jesus, you will find life that is real. And let me show you where that occurs. So in John chapter 20, verse 31, and if you have a Bible, turn. I'd like you to know where that is. You can turn over to that Gospel of John, which is the fourth of the Gospels. So in your New Testament, you'll have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then the fourth there is John. And you, you to, to find the purpose or the theme of the whole book of John, you actually have to turn to the end of the book, which is uh, all the way there at chapter 20, the next to the last chapter. And there in verse 31, this is what you read at the end of chapter 20. John says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Now that tells you that throughout the book, he's introduced you to some of the signs that Jesus performed to show that he was in fact the son of God. But John says, I could have told you a lot more. Jesus did much more in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, meaning this book of John. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Well, here's the question for you tonight, and that is, what is the meaning of life? It sounds like a small topic, doesn't it? Just, But really what I'm asking is, what is the meaning of life here in this verse? When John says, I write these things so that you're introduced to Jesus, that you'll believe in him, and that by believing you'll have life in his name. That sounds like the kind of life we need right now. But what does he mean by that? What is the meaning of life? It could mean many things. If I came up to you tonight and said, how's life 
going. Well, you would pause for just a minute trying to think, well, what does he mean? What's he really asking about? And your answer will be based on what you think I mean by life when I say, how's your life? You may answer, well, I'm doing fine. And what you're saying is that your body is healthy and it's doing fine. But if I just look at you and kind of look puzzled, you'll think, well, maybe he's asking about uh, maybe, you know, how things are going at work or, you know, in the broader aspects of life. How are things with my stuff? And I say, well, it's, kind of, it's going fine there. And, and I still look at you like, why, why are you answering that? And you say, well, maybe he's asking about my uh, house where I live. Yeah, everything's fine. You know, at our house, everybody there, everybody's doing good. And I kind of say, really? And, and you think, well, maybe he's asking about something else. And so you kind of pivot over to say, well, maybe he's asking about my mental health. Oh, you know, my mental health is doing really well. If I say, okay, and, and you say, well, maybe he's asking about something else. Maybe because we're at church, he's asking about my spiritual life. And so you say, well, my, you know, spirit is really strong. My spirit is, well, and uh, at the end of all of that, you think, I, I don't, maybe he's just asking about my lifespan. And you say, well, <laughs> it's better than the alternative, you know, <laughs> saying, well, at least my life is still going on. My point in running through all that is just to say that when I ask how's life, you actually have many different definitions of that word, and you'll answer based on which definition you reach for in the moment. turns out there's many different words that we use for the meaning of life. And so when we ask, what is John talking about? We have to be careful to stop and say, what is John asking here? I mean, what is he teaching here? When he says, I want to introduce you to Jesus so that you believe in him, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What could he mean? So let's run through each of those and see which one he means. I think it's helpful when you're thinking about life or the, what life really means. One metaphor, a helpful way of thinking about it, is to think of each of these definitions of life like a separate instrument. If we went over here to the Performing Arts Center and we were listening to a concert, maybe with a, I started out to say a quartet, but there'll be more than just four instruments. But just think of a, a group of instruments that are there, a, a group of musicians who are playing their instruments together. Think of each of these different instruments as a different uh, metaphor or version of life. And the idea at the end is to imagine them all being played together well. So what are all of these instruments? When John said, I write these things that you believe in Jesus, and by believing you would have life in his name, what did he mean? Well, he could mean the word soma. Now, these are different words that you run into in the New Testament that can mean life or some aspect of life. And the first word that you run into a lot of times throughout even the book of John, and I'll show you this in a minute, is this word soma. And that just means the body, the physical body. You might have heard of a somatic illness, and that just means a, you know, a, a illness that is of the body itself. So is that what John is saying, that I write these things so that you believe in Jesus and that by believing you may have life in his name. Is he saying you believe so that you may have a living body, that your heart is beating in his name? Surely there's more to life than just the physical body. And John would say, of course there is. There's also another word you can reach for to talk or describe life, and that's this word, bios. And I bet you can hear in that where we get the word Biology. And the word bios in the ancient world and in the time this was written does not necessarily mean science class that you went to, biology. It means the stuff of life. So today, that would probably uh, be a reference to the stuff that you own, your, your home, your vehicle, your clothing, uh, the food that you have, your bank account. I mean, all these things that, that we think of as the stuff of life, they would refer to as 
bios. So is that what John means? That by believing you may have all the stuff of life in Jesus' name. Surely he meant more than just bios. And it turns out he could reach for another word. Uh, if I were to ask you how life is going at some point, you might think, well, maybe he's just asking about my house, where I, my house, where I dwell. And so one of the words that's used in the New Testament for life or living is this word either meno or okeo. Um, uh, John tends to use this word mene or meno quite a bit. Switch over to Paul, he uses okeo. They kind of mean the same thing. It just means the place where you dwell or where you remain. So if, it'd be really strange if I went up and said, hey, where do you remain? <laughs> but that's the way you may ask it, you know, in the first century. And what I'm saying is, where do you live? And it's just, where do you stay? Where do you, you know, remain? And so that's one of the words that could be used for life. Where is it that you reside? Well, is that what John means? That by believing you may, you may have a residence <laughs> somewhere. You may just exist somewhere, remain in his name. Surely there's more to life than just where you live. And turns out there is. And that could be this word, suke. Now, suke, I bet you can hear in that uh, the term, the modern term that we get for psychology. Or, uh, uh, well, I almost said psychic, but <laughs> anything psycho, you know, anything that has to do with psyche and the mind, uh, it comes from this ancient word, uh, psyche. Now, in the ancient world, the psyche didn't mean just the mind. It actually refers to the self. And so when they referred to the suke, it would be pronounced then, then they were talking about the the actual person's self. Now that included the mind, and in most cases that's what should come to mind when you see this word. But oftentimes when you see this uh, word life show up in the New Testament, and you'll see that in just a minute in John, when you see that word show up, uh, the word life, it's referring to the self could be the person's mind, but really everything that has to do with uh, them. So is that what John is saying? That by believing in Jesus, you may have yourself in his name. Surely there's more to life, though, than just a stable mind or being mentally stable. It turns out there is. It could be that John's referring to the pneuma. And you might hear in that the word uh, something like pneumatic. Have you ever heard of a pneumatic device? Not a pneumonic device, but a pneumatic, you know, the, a pneumatic type of tool is one that is functions by air. The word pneuma means literally breath. In the Bible, it can refer to breath or wind or any kind of puff of air. Sometimes this is the word that is used for God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's called the Pneuma, or the holy pneuma. The breath of life, you've probably heard that term, is the pneuma of life. And so uh, this is one of the words that you see used in the New Testament. When someone gives up their life, we say, and you see this when Jesus was on the cross, and it, it says there at the end that he gave up his spirit. He gave up his pneuma, and he was, you know, his life passed at that moment. So sometimes this is the word used for life. Well, is that what John is saying? That by believing in Jesus, you may have pneuma in his name. Well, surely there's more to life than just being able to breathe, you know, in and out. Uh, The word pneuma probably is the word that would refer more to, if I said, how are things going in your spirit? You know that I'm asking more there than just how are things going in your mind. I'm asking how are things going for you as a person 
It's your deepest, your deepest part of your soul. Uh, what is, how are things going? Uh, but surely there's more to life than just that. And turns out there are. If you take suke and numa and kind of put them together with some of these others, you get this word ion. And uh, I wrote lifetime there. It's actually A-I-O-N would be the way that you would spell that here. And the word ion, you might hear in that the word eon. You know how the word eon means a, a span of time. And so that's one of the words used for life, and especially a long span of time. In the New Testament, if they're talking about a span of time, like your lifetime, then we might use this word ion. And so, uh, you know, if a, if a prisoner is given a life sentence, then they would say they're given an aeon, a span of time. You know, uh, you live for a certain number of years. What is the lifespan? That would be an ion of time. And oftentimes this is the word used for eternity. Uh, and this is an important thing to understand, that when the Bible talks about, uses the term forever or eternity, oftentimes it's using this word ion to say in the coming age or the coming span of time, which does not have a truncated you know, end to it. So is this what uh, John is saying when he writes to us and says, I write these things to you, You've read this entire book of John to get to the end, to hear all of these things that Jesus did. And I wrote those so that you would believe in him. And that by believing, you would have a span of time in his name. Is that what he was saying? And the answer to all of those is uh, no. The word that John uses there in John chapter 20 to say, this is why I wrote these things to you, is so that you would have life in his name. He uses this term, zoe. And this is the word I wanted you to see tonight. The word zoe, which is used throughout the book of John, is the word that means life. And I'd love to give you a definition of that, but this is one of those words that is defined only by itself. I cannot give you a definition. It just is life. It's kind of like time or love or beauty or these other words that are only defined by themselves. I can give you examples but I can't really give you a definition. The best or the closest I could get is to say, imagine if you took all of those other words for life, imagine those were those instruments, and that each of those was being played perfectly in your life. That's an example of what zoe is. When the body is functioning as it should, when the stuff of life is in order, when where you remain is stable and safe, when your mind is uh, feeling stable and when your spirit is where it should be, when your lifespan seems to be going well, if you took all of those things together and it was all just being played like a musical, you know, performance and everything's just right in tune, then you would have, you would have Zoe. And you know what this feels like? Uh, Because all of us at certain times in our life have can recognize that moment when everything is just right. It could be watching a beautiful sunset, you know, this time of year. Or while you're watching the sunset, if you turn around and look towards the mountains and you see that beautiful rainbow, you know, because it's raining by the mountains. And you just, for a minute, you're just in awe. And everything for that moment seems right. If you're sitting around uh, a dinner table and your family is there around the table, and for the moment, people are are laughing and sharing stories and having good memories. And for just a moment, everything seems 
right. That's that. That's Zoe. That's real life. Uh, and you in your own life will remember times when everything just seemed seemed right. And that's the closest I can get to say that's what Zoe is. It is the life that God intended you to experience because Zoe is what God has. That's we're told by Jesus that uh, in him is uh, life and that he can give it to whomever he pleases. And Jesus says this is the life that is passed on to you. So Zoe, if you would, think of Zoe as all those other forms of life working well together. Now, if one of those other forms of life are out of sync or out of balance or not working well, then you know it affects every other part of life. If your body's not well, it affects your spirit. It affects your mind. Uh, If things are not going well in your mind, it can affect your spirit. And even if we try to fine-tune one part of your life and we get it off a little bit, it can affect others. I had a patient one time who was on an antidepressant, being treated for depression, and he came back to me. He says, I'm not going to take those pills anymore. And I said, why? What's going on? And he said, uh, he said, those, those pills make it so I can't pray. Well, see, I'd given him something to treat his, his suke, right? His self, his soul. But it was affecting his spirit. And I, I said, why? You can't pray? And he goes, no. And I said, well, that doesn't make sense. Why, why do you say that? And he said, when I pray, I normally get this depth of feeling that sometimes could be displayed as depression. But he said, when I take those pills, I no longer have that depth of feeling with God, and I can't pray. Well, you hear what he was saying, is that you tried to help fine-tune my suke, but it affected my pneuma. And so you see how all these things end up being intertwined, and that's true of any part of that. If I give you a medicine to help your soma, it might very well affect your suke. If we try to set things up in your house and improve your bios, it might affect these other parts of your life. The point is that you're trying to fine-tune everything just right, but none of us can do that. I do not have a pill. I do not have a therapy. I do not have anything I can give you that is going to bring it all into fine-tuned harmony the way Jesus can. And here's the hope. Here's the good news. Only he can make all of this right and bring Zoe. So as you, if you accept the assignment and read through the book of John, you're going to run into the word life all over the place. And I want it to leap off the page so that it catches you every single time. And you'll ask each time you see that word, what is the meaning of life? Let me give you a couple of examples and we'll just... uh, Kind of give the rest of the book to you. But in John chapter 2, listen to, to what John says here when he says, So the Jews said to him, meaning Jesus, What sign will you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, If you destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. And the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So, so which word do you think was used there? It was the word soma. He says this temple was his body. That was his life. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken, that this body was raised from the dead. So it's just an example of where the word soma is used. What about the word bios? Now I had to skip over to First uh, John for this because I can't find the word bios actually in um, in the book of John, but. John, the writer, who also wrote the letter of 1 John, says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of 
life. And guess what word is used there for life? The pride of life. It actually has a word. It says the pride of bios. In other words, the stuff of life. The things that you own and uh, the things that would be a part of your existence. But these things are not from the Father. They're from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides... Remember the word mene means to reside or to dwell forever. And then you get the word Iona. And so you notice how he just throws in three of these words and kind of mixes them together, these different forms of life. John 14, a couple of examples come from John 14. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you who will be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, the Holy Spirit, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And what's the word life there? The spirit that lives in you, it's that word dwells or remains in you, mene. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So what form of life, what was the meaning of life that Jesus laid down for you? And that is the word suke. Now catch this. I have never found anywhere in any scriptures where Jesus ever laid down his zoe. He never laid down the real life. What he laid down was his very self, his the suke. Sometimes they, they would use the term soul, but that can get confusing because we think of that as the spirit. But Jesus laid down his very self for his sheep. In John 11, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, this is when uh, Lazarus had died and Jesus was there and you know, Martha is weeping and Mary is weeping. And when Jesus saw them weeping and he saw the Jews who had come with her also weeping, Jesus was deeply moved in his life or in his spirit. And that's that word pneumati or pneuma. And he was greatly troubled. Did you know Jesus was troubled in each of these aspects of life that we just described? And just as you have felt that weight in your spirit, Jesus felt that. He was troubled in his spirit. And that's when Jesus said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And in the famous line, Jesus wept. Jesus felt what it's like when life is out of tune, specifically that part of life which we would describe as your spirit. And then back to John 14. You remember this. We read this before, but I wanted you to see another example of life. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever. And remember I said, if you start watching for it, you'll see this word forever pop up. And you'll think of that as some time limited thing or or something you can even define by time but forever by definition does not have an end point you can't define that by time and the word that's actually used there is the word iona which is a span of time and you and i are looking forward to a span of time that comes after this current span of time that goes on forever and so they tend to use the word forever as the translation but we're waiting on the spirit of truth The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, as we said before when we saw this verse, he remains in you. And then back to John 10, just to kind of 
close out the circle. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, you've already seen the next verse in 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, you wouldn't know this until tonight, but if you look closely at John chapter 10, verse 10 and 11, what do you think the meaning of life is in verse 10? You know in verse 11, it's suke. Jesus laid down his self for you. But when Jesus says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Guess what the meaning of life is there? Take a deep breath. Zoe. Jesus says, I have come that they may have real life. And have it, you hear that, everything fine-tuned together, have it abundantly. And to help you connect with that, he, he laid down his suke, his self, for, for you. Uh, it's really hard to translate that into English. I just show that to you so that you never read John chapter 10, verse 10, 11 again. <laughs> you see that he's talking about giving you real life. That is Zoe. A couple of other examples. John 1, which we read this morning uh, in a worship service, in him was, James read this to us this morning, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And guess what word for life there is? It's the word Zoe. In him was real life, and that life was the light of men. John 3.16, do you know this verse? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Guess what form of life he uses there? It's Zoe. You have eternal life. John 5.25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has Zoe, life, in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have Zoe in himself. And then Jesus passes that to you. And then John 11, Jesus said to her, this is again back to the story of uh, Lazarus. So Lazarus has died, and Jesus goes to grieve with the family. Martha comes out to meet him and says, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. They have their conversation, and Jesus tells Martha, Martha, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. And that's where Jesus looks down and says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, the real life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he, this is a version of Zoe, live. Not just a, shall his heart keep on beating, not just shall his mind be stable or his spirit be solid, not just that he have the stuff of life or have a place to live. Put all that together. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who has this zoe, zao, and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, I'm going to jump out of John just to show you how much fun you can have with this, and because you can see it all over the Scripture. <laughs> this is one of my favorite verses that just pulls together this idea of life. 
those of you who have studied Romans know that, boy, it's th- theologically just dense, dense, dense. We went through this, you remember, uh, last year uh, with the teens. And there was this part in chapter 8 where it was really fun just to stop and look at how Paul here, writing to the folks in Rome, pulls this, this whole concept together of what God is doing for us. But this is in Romans 8 where uh, Paul, just like John, ends up using all these words to describe what God is doing in you in terms of life. So I'm going to give you the kind of the translation so you can hear this. <clears throat> but uh, Paul writes, You, however, are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit, meaning in the pneuma. If, in fact, the pneuma of God dwells or remains in you. Anyone who does not have the pneuma of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, Although the soma is dead because of sin, the pneuma is zoe because of righteousness. Isn't that fun how he pulls all that together? If the pneuma of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells or stays in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give zoe to your mortal soma through his pneuma that dwells in you. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, and, and what he's doing there is pulling all these different aspects of life and pulling them together and saying what God offers you through Jesus is real life. This is what he offers. So back to John twenty thirty one. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So you, if you accept the assignment, uh, will read through the book of John, start to finish, and you'll get to this point at the end after you've seen these amazing things that Jesus has done, where you've seen him uh, raise let me get to that part in a minute, where you've seen him change water to wine. And then he gives uh, strength to a man's legs who was lame. And you see him feed 5,000 people. And you see him healing uh, uh, different, like the blind man. And you see give sight to the blind. And then he raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. And you just see this sign after sign after sign. And you get to the end, and John says, he did many other things, you know. <laughs> this isn't all he did. He did many other things, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may find life in his name. And what's the meaning of life? In that verse, it's that you may have Zoe, real life in his name. That's the lesson tonight, is that when you read through the book of John, what John is introducing you to is a person. He's introducing you to Jesus, the very one who can bring and give you life. And so I hope you'll take that seriously and in your own time, go through and read that passage. Well, tonight, uh, if there is something that we can pray for you uh, specifically about, this is a time where we can share those needs here at the end of the lesson. Uh, But take the encouragement here uh, to spend time with God, spend time in his word, and realize that there is, there's nothing else that you can reach out for in this world or this life that can give you real life. Uh, only God can do that. And so among reaching out for help from, from many others, uh, please, please know that God reaches his hand towards you and invites you to seek him for that life that is real. But if you do have a need, let's share those and pray for each other as we stand now and sing this song.